What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Kev on stage with the lovely and luxurious Miss Kev on stage. Want to welcome y'all to the Love Hour Love Cast, where we talk about relationships, love, marriage, and the like. Reminder, this is not a YouTube video. What is it, Liz? A Love Hour Love Cast. A Love Hour Love Cast. It's a podcast. That's why you don't see any video. I give you plenty of videos. There's plenty of videos. And this is a podcast now available in iTunes. Check the link in the description. Love Hour is what the title is. We welcome you back to another episode. We're going to jump right into it today. This question comes from one of our loyal listeners. Because <laughs> we have, oh, so, we have many. so many loyal listeners <laughs> in our fourth episode. Third. Fourth. 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 So the reader question is, what are your top five favorite relationship books and between the two of us i think we have come to three <laughs> we should read more i have read more but i wouldn't categorize them as favorite okay. i've read a lot of relationship books really yeah i have a ton on my phone just not some that you love exactly okay well what is your favorite well we're gonna do the one, one of two both. yeah you 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 name the one that we both love We'll talk about that. at the end. Okay. Yeah. We'll go ahead and uh, <clears throat> talk about yours. Okay. So my my one of my all-time favorite books, and it became an all-time favorite like almost instantly. Like as soon as I started reading this book, I fell in love. And by the end of it, I was like head over heels. And the name of the book is, um, hold on, The Good Girl's Guide to Sex. Woo! And it is by... Sheila Ray Gregoire. Um, and the title of the book again is The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Um, and this book is um, a book by a Christian woman. And she talks about um, something that I experienced um, growing up at, in a Christian environment. And I was a virgin on my wedding day. And you're beat into, or not beat, but you're. I'll say brainwashed, and that might be a strong word to some, but that's the word I'll use, into believing that in order to, or in the venture, or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but in the, behind the idea of trying to abstain from sex until you're married, also comes the idea that sex is bad. They kind of go hand in hand. So you don't want to have sex until you're married. And in order to get you not to do that, they kind of beat into you this idea that sex is bad. Who is they? They, church people. church Your parents. It doesn't have to be church people. It could be your parents. It could be whomever. And I'm not saying that that was done intentionally, but it, it did kind of like on a subconscious level sink in, at least for me. And, to you know, some other people that I've talked to and apparently for this woman as well and her readers that have read this book. And um, all of a sudden... You get married, you say I do, you put a ring on, and you're supposed to do away with this logic. And it's not that easy. You know, I got married when I was 20 or 21. 20. 20. I was turning 21. Yep, <clears throat> 20. So that's 20 years of this idea, and then one day you get married, quite literally, and then it's not supposed to be bad. And so that took a lot of um, adjustment, a lot of time for me to get used to, and, you know, to be quite honest, after 10 years of marriage, I, I still take some adjusting for me so anyway i read this book um fairly recently within the last two years and it has totally changed my way of thinking i've read like i said a lot of books and a lot of times 
Christian books or not, because I've read both, you know, books with Christian writers, authors, and those that are not from Christian authors. And um, they beat on women. Christian books? Both. Again, I don't think that it's intentional, but I have read some books and I come out feeling like chastise and you need to do better and you know sex is important for the man and you need to make sure that you're fulfilling this need and you feel like really like i've come out feeling like i just got a good old-fashioned whooping (laughs) like for real i've read books and just have felt really bad and that's not a way to promote change that's not a way to motivate change at least not for me and so i read this book and it is the only book that i have read and i have come out empowered and when I finished reading it, I think those were the exact words. I don't know if you remember. I remember. Me saying that. And I have never read a book and felt empowered. It definitely, again, empowered is the only word that I can think of. But it empowers you as a woman to understand sexuality, what it means to you being a woman. Um, and the, the um, influence, I'll say, that you have on your husband with this gift that you're able to give him. I mean, just really, really good powerful stuff it really talked to um this idea of being a good girl and then all of a sudden getting married and doing away with that idea and you know being free in your relationship and your marriage in the bedroom and so it was very um life-changing for me and i I don't mean that in any exaggeration i would really definitely say it was a life-changing book i probably should go back and read it again truthfully um because some of the stuff I just think I forgot and it's been a while. But um, really, 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 really good book. Um, I definitely recommend it for all um, women that are married and struggling in that area. Um, definitely. Just good stuff. Definitely. Again, the name of the book is The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And it's by Sheila Ray. And that's spelled with the W. So that's W-R-A-Y. And her last name, I'm going to assume, is Gregoire. And it's spelled G-R-E-G-O-I-R-E. So again, Sheila Ray Gregoire. And it's called The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Great, great, great book. Um, my second book that I read very early on in our marriage. And I would just think that this is a good book foundationally. Um, Talks about communication. It talks about the different ways men and women are wired. Um, You know, everyone's heard of it. And it's, it actually really, it was a great book for me to read. Um, And actually, to be honest, that's the book that kind of started me on this relationship path. And at least my, it kind of piqued my interest in relationships and men and women and that. And the name of that book, of course, is uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Um, Great book. Great, great book. Very just basic stuff, foundational type stuff. Um, Talks about um, men. When you talk to a woman, everything is kind of like spaghetti um, and intertwined. And when you talk to a man, everything is like very neatly in boxes. And that was really good for me to kind of understand when you're communicating to a woman. Because I very quickly can change subjects and, you know, kind of intertwine things and and for a man, it works very, like, compartmentalized. And so, again, just really good stuff. Really good book. Definitely recommend it just if you're just, you know, it's a fun read. It's a fast read. And just foundational type basic stuff. Definitely would say one of my favorite relationship books. And for me, there are, um, there's one that's <clears throat> Every Man's Battle. And it's Winning the War on Sexual Temptation, One Victory at a Time. And this was something we read. I read the woman's one. Yeah. I this like is some. <laughs> was it one of those that chastised you? Um, I don't know. I probably should go back and read it now. 
But at the time, I don't know, I've, maybe we weren't married yet. We were married. Were we? We were. Because we, we had greater life in the I big know. church. We I were remember. Married. I got to go back and look at it again. I can't recall precisely why. Maybe you don't have sex. Maybe you didn't have sexual uh, temptations. No, it didn't talk about that. It didn't? I don't think so. Oh. I got to. Re- I, I don't remember. So let me shut up and let you finish. Well, it's uh, Every Man's Battle is uh, a book by Steve Arterburn. And we were in our <clears throat> men's group at church. That is something that we read. And um, I don't know that I, there's definitely sexual temptation uh, for men, married, single, uh, pretty much anyone. And it was one of those books that came with a worksheet and um, like handbook and stuff like that. And it helped to uh, diagnose problems. It dealt with like pornography and masturbation pretty openly. And that was something that. It did talk about that in the one. Did it? It did. did. I I remember who taught it was um, JB's mom. JJ's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sister, um... It, you know what? I can't remember her name. Uh-huh, but her. She was really good, too, because she's hilarious. But the other thing that book talked about was, um, remembering your singleness. Yes. Oh, now you like it. Maybe I did. <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> now it's going to be jar- driving me crazy what their last name was. Black... Bickham. Yeah, yeah. Bickham. Yeah. Um, and, um, <clears throat> in my experience in church, um... There was no real mention of masturbation or pornography for sure until it was too late for me. Um, I'm trying to think of the first time I heard of it. Probably at Greater Life, actually, um, in a men's group. And by that time, I had already dealt with it. Not dealt with it like got over it, but I had already struggled with it. And um, as a kid... There was, shoot, I was, here's, here's part of the problem. And I don't blame the church. I blame my parents and I love you dearly. <laughs> my parents didn't have any talk about sex with me. Mm-hmm. Like none, none about good, none about bad, none about these are things you will feel. This is what your friends may be doing. There was just no conversation about sex. And conversely, there was also no conversation about sex. Not no, but there was very little conversation about sex um, in my like, you know, there was no youth group when I grew up, um, for the most part, there was just Sunday school. And, uh, when I was a teen, there was nothing really. So there was no way to talk with the, uh, talk about these subjects. I mean, most people don't want to talk to their parents about it anyway, but they will, if your parents bring it up or say, Hey, here's what you may be going through or whatever. So the first problem is my parents didn't really talk to me about it. And then the church didn't really talk to me about it. So I learned almost everything about sex from, Sex ed in school mm-hmm. and uh, my friends. And in sex ed, they tell you masturbation is perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. And you, sh- you know, you, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And, and then the church wasn't telling me that there's anything of the opposite. And neither were my parents. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, cool, this is perfectly normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. um, so then when I hear about it from the church, I'm like 19 already. And then it's like, yeah, this is a, a sexual sin and lust. And I was like, oh, yeah. really? Cause sex ed said it's perfectly normal, and I I think if you're a Christian, I don't I, I don't know that the, I think the majority of the world thinks it's perfectly normal. In the Christian in Christian um, uh, livelihood, there's more people who feel uh, differently about it. But anyway, so there was uh, that, um, and there was no talk about pornography either. So this book was one of the first things that dealt with it, and the the teachers used this as a point of to start talking about it. And that's the first time when I was like, I didn't know that this was. Like a problem, so to speak. I felt like pornography was bad. Like even though nobody talked to me about it, I was like, 
probably shouldn't be watching this or looking at these magazines. And I did it with my friends. I remember the first time I was like 11 or something. And I don't know, one of my friends had a, had a porn and we were just like all watching it. Just like, we probably shouldn't be watching this guy. <laughs> we were bad. Meanwhile, and, uh, I was over in the corner like, Jesus, I don't want to like boys. <laughs> I want to be good and pure in your sights. Pure in your sights, oh Jesus. Oh my God. And another problem I have, uh, my uncle... Uh, had like a crate full of Maxim magazines, oh and every Maxim is not a porn magazine, by the way, but, but it is like sexually charged. Yeah. So it has sexually all sexually charged is good. Sexually charged. It has a lot of like basically pinups and all that yeah. stuff. Um, I'm a, I know what the magazine is. Do you? You ain't always I, been saved all your little life. <laughs> but um, even more dangerous. Go away. It's more dangerous. Uh, is it has like every every edition or what are they called issue? Every issue yeah. has like. 11 guides to touching her in the right places, you know, 13 guy, 13 things to help you last longer, things like that. So when you're a teenager and your hormones are like supercharged and this is what you're reading, then it, it's not helpful, you know, to doing anything opposite of sex. So um, the uh, every man's battle was very helpful to making me realize how God saw sexual sexuality and, and all these things. And it was unfortunate because I was already married by then. And we'll deal with uh, pornography and masturbation in future episodes, I imagine. Uh, we'll at least talk about it. Um, so that was very helpful to kind of give me some... I'm a, I'm a practical person, mm-hmm. right? Because when I was young and I would talk about sex at, at church, I'd be like, okay, so what do you do? And they'd be like, pray and take a cold shower. And that was literally the advice that I would get. And I was like, okay, so now I'm cold. <laughs> and I prayed and I still have these feelings. Right. So what now? Because I literally would pray and take a cold shower. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I'd still be at full staff. So I'm like, now what? You know? <laughs> full staff is our code word. Um, so that wasn't really as helpful as practical advice of, you know, protect yourself and, you know, like um, protect yourself and and set yourself up for success by, you know, by, um, you know, like um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, arranging certain times to leave and when you're alone and dates, you know, when to be alone and be with people, things like that, which were very, which, which were much more practical and, and stuff that I use, you know, later on in life. So that was very helpful. But the best book I've ever read. Kev loves, well, and I do too. We both love. I feel like you don't love it as much no, because no, 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 I love it so much. No, that's not true. I absolutely love this book, but Kevin only always wants to talk about this book. This is, you are lucky that this took four we episodes. Should, we should, I know. Before man, we talked about it. fighting you on it. It is my favorite book. It is my favorite f- book of all time. Favorite relationship book of all time. Favorite book of all time after The Secret of Nim. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, I, and here's why. It was revolutionary in the way I thought about absolutely. love. And it's called The Five Love Languages. And interestingly enough, we came across the book by almost happenstance. We were in El Paso for my sister's graduation, and my aunt had it in her car in the back flap. And I picked it up, and I was like, what is this Five Love Languages? She was like, oh, this is a great book. I just finished it. You should take it and read it because you guys are young and married. I think we were left. Zayzay wasn't born, so this is like less than a year or two uh, being married. And I was like, cool, five love languages. You know, like, no idea what it was about. Hadn't heard anything about it. how he finishes this story because he's probably about to not remember it correctly. Okay, so um, then about happened? the book yeah. about the book mm-hmm. so then you so you grab the book from El Paso I agree with you and then what happened I'm nervous now no what? just tell your story I, I I don't know I read it who who read it me see this is where you're not did you read it first I read it first loved did you? it we did a class on it and then you were hip to game 
We did a class after I read it. Well, that part. Before I read it? Yeah. The point I don't remember you reading it before me. Dude, you are not telling the truth. I grabbed the book. Sure. I agree with you up until the point, but I knew you would think you read it first. You didn't read it first. I read it first. I don't believe that. And then was like, oh my God, I love this book. It is so revolutionary. You should read it. And then you were like, oh, I like it too. I don't believe that. Never remember stuff. But I don't. I, I can't remember either way. So I'm sorry. I Adnan Sayed that. Uh, <laughs> that's a stereo reference if you guys don't know. Um, but anyway, here's why it's so revolutionary. It basically says all of us are. We have a primary and secondary love language, if I remember correctly, and I think I do because I love this book so much. And there's gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And what your love language means is it's how you interpret love from your yeah how you interpret and receive love from your partner and it gave me some of the best examples of like your love your 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 love tank right and here's why up until that point at men's groups and marriage counseling marriage seminars where we got the majority of our advice from because we did marriage enrichment we did counseling prior to marriage like maybe six or eight weeks and then we continue going to marriage enrichment like Faithfully. For, forever until we moved to LA and, and we haven't done it here because we haven't found a church that does it like this. But um, and the entire time we were in Washington, which was like eight years of our marriage, nine years, nine years uh, up until last year, mm-hmm. um, we went to marriage enrichment and our we, we basically um, approached love through the viewpoints of our teacher. And most of the time it was our pastor and first lady. And, and even one time our pastor put in a video of another pastor and basically they share their wives share the same love language. And here's what I mean by that. So my pastor and the, um, and the video, um, their, their wife's love language was gifts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my pastor would teach, you know, if you want to get your, you know, he would say, this was always funny to me. He said, men are like nine one one. They want to have sex. They don't have to be thinking about it. Like nine one one, you call them, they're ready to go. Women more like an oven that has to be preheated and prepared and, you know, things like that. So he was always saying, you know, if you want to uh, have sex with your wife, you got to prepare her. And, you know, and what he would do is buy gifts for his wife. Now, he wasn't talking about love languages. He just knew his wife. Mm-hmm. He, he knew love languages, but he wasn't calling them love languages. Right. So he was saying, you know, my wife loves gifts. So, you know, when I want some loving, I'll buy her a gift or flowers or whatever. And that will open her up to being more receptive to having sex. So I was like, and then the one time they, they played a video and the pastor said the same thing. Like, you know, if you want some uh, cooking, you know, you swipe the credit card and she drops her drawers. And I was like, whoa, it's that easy. So, of course, I'm like, sweet. This is what I'll do. So um, I, I attempted to show my wife love by buying her gifts. And she loves gifts, but that's not her love language. And what I mean by that is her love language is the way she interprets love. And hers is... um. Acts of service and words of affirmation. I want to say acts of service. Acts of service and quality time. And quality time. Sorry. Acts of service is one. Mm -hmm. And quality time is two. And what that means is like she... they're flip-flop now, but... Quality time is more important? I think so nowadays. Okay. Because I've been doing better on my acts of service-ness. I just have to retake the test. (laughs) (laughs) So what that means is uh, for my wife... I could buy her flowers and she would appreciate that. But she would more appreciate coming home to a clean house or me going out of my way to get her car detailed or, you know, cleaning out the pool or 
if I'm not cutting the grass, making sure there's the gardener to cut the grass, things like that, like physically doing an act of service uh, would show her love and then quality time. So if I want to have sex with her instead of me, and here's where I, w- I messed up when I did a lot of stand up comedy, I would I would have five, six shows a night or a week. A week. So I would have a show on uh, Thursday, show on Friday, and then sometimes two shows on Saturday and then show on Sunday. And then, you know, I would come home at 11 o'clock at night or 12 after the show. We'd be trying to have sex. And she's like, you ain't spent no time with me. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand how important that was to her. So her emotional love tank is filled with acts of service and quality time. So it's better for me to just sit up and like watch Netflix, not doing anything sexual. Just literally we would turn on Netflix and watch, you know, eight hours of Netflix or just talk, whatever. And that to her is more that shows more love than me going out of my way to buy gifts for her. So not understanding that I would be like just buying her gifts and be like, okay, here's a gift. Where's the sex? I would, I would, I would like that now. Um, and the same and, and the other side of that is generally you speak your love language to your spouse. Right. So let me time you all right quick. Okay. So let, me, let me make sure all of you guys are understanding because Kevin's speaking fast and saying a lot really fast. Yeah, because we should have did a whole episode of the lo- five love know. languages. So the basis of the book is that everyone has a love language. And in order to fill up, as Kev said, their love language, you have to speak that language to them. So I always use the example, if I speak um, Chinese and Kev speaks German, the only way that we're going to effectively communicate is if I speak German to him and he would have to learn Chinese to speak to me. So if my love language is quality time and his is acts of service, or I'm sorry, and his is physical touch, which it is, you can't go about... um, physically touching me <laughs> but you know showing emotion and you know via touch and and expect me to understand that as communicating love because that's not the language I speak and vice versa in order for me to effectively show love to Kevin I have to learn to be okay with physical touch and the reason why that's important is because it's the only way to effectively communicate love to your spouse and it beca- and it can become a struggle if for example, Kevin's primary love language is physical touch. And of the five, physical touch is my lowest. And mine is way high physical touch. So like then, far and away physical touch. So then I have to, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, definitely something I still have to work on to this very day. Yes, yes. Um, is that I have to work on being more aware that physical touch is my is the way to communicate love to my husband. So that's kind of the basis of the book. It's learning how to speak your spouse's love language via the lo- the language that they that they speak versus speaking to them the way that you do. Where I might go out or I might clean the you know Kev's gone for the weekend doing a show. He comes home and the house is clean. That's something I would appreciate. That's not necessarily something Kev w- would appreciate because acts of service is not his love language right and what and what often happens is so say melissa doesn't know my love language is physical touch and i'm like having my hand on her leg or we're laying down i have my arm on her stomach or something like that and she's just like yo get off me it's very uncomfortable for her and it's not her you know love language but without knowing you know without knowing that she's basically you know um making me feel unloved and unwanted with just because she doesn't want my arm on her Right. And I and, and part of the physical touch, the reason I'm like that is because my mom was super, you know, lovey and, and kiss, you know, huggy and stuff. And I was a super mama's boy. So I was just like, man, we love each other and hug. And in our family, we're very, you know, um, 
you know, loving like by and by touch and stuff like that. And the other thing is of, of like words of affirmation, I think is my second yeah. one. And um, and what that means is you make me feel loved by complimenting me, stroking my ego. And I feel the opposite of love by, you know, insulting me or things like that. So if Melissa tells me to get her arm off me and I ain't never going to be nobody good. That is going to really damage our the way I receive love. And here's why it's a funny story, because since my um, uh, love language is physical touch um, <laughs> and before we knew this one time, you, you basically end up showing you speak your language to other people, hoping they'll reciprocate in your language. So one time when we were early married, and this is like our first apartment. So this is probably like first seven months of marriage. I never forget this. I was in the bed and Melissa was not home yet. She was working. I don't remember this story. Oh my he gosh. Put, you don't story. remember and this? I don't recall. You don't recall? I'm sorry, I don't remember. I'm you can neither confirm recall. nor deny. Yep. Well, just plead the fifth while I tell this truth story. Okay. I, uh, the way that you recall and remember. I covered myself in baby oil and put a, uh, uh, <laughs> a piece of paper. Uh, I was butt naked, by the way. Covered myself in baby oil and had a, like a, a note on a piece of paper like, come and get me. And when she came home, she was just like. I think you made That's it. exactly what happened. That long pause of nothing. <laughs> so the, the walk of shame to be like, that didn't work out well was so harmful. And what I was trying to do was speak my love language to her, not understanding that she don't speak that language. But I understood at that moment, like, that's eh, not how I anticipated uh <laughs> This coming out. So we will spend more time on the five love languages and another time, maybe 20 episodes from now. But for now, if you have not, take the test. Uh, I think the website is fivelovelanguages.com. I think it's by um, it's Gary, Gary Chapman. Chapman. Um, of all the books that we listed, I would definitely say as a couple, go into the five love languages first. And then, as a woman, I would definitely look into the Girl Girl Guide to Great Sex because it's it's an awesome book. But what if you already had like so much sex? Well, if that's not your issue, then go to the Five Love Languages. Yeah, Five Love Languages. I feel like no matter who you are, where you are, mm-hmm. that is a fantastic book to read. Completely changed our marriage, and I'm so glad we read it so early in our marriage. So glad because it was just um uh. It was just so powerful. So our tip for the day is to learn your person's love language and speak to them. And here's an interesting thing. This doesn't mean this. This can be learned before marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a good test. You know, if you're you're seriously dating, you're thinking about marrying this person. Premarital counseling. Premarital counseling or serious dating. And also it's valuable to kids. Yeah, they have one for kids. They have one for kids because Jojo, um, his love language is words of affirmation far and away he hasn't taken a test and i just know it and he is not physical touch he don't want no kiss he don't want no hug from me at least um and zay zay is physical touch he will hug or he don't mind hugs at least you know i don't know if it's his main thing but it's 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 really good for kids too i mean it's just a great uh book to to read so now we will move into the question from our loyal loyal listeners and here it is Hi, Kevin List. I have a couple questions concerning friendship and dating. I have a female friend that I've known for about six years now. We we get along really great and have gotten to know each other pretty well. We make sure not to spend too much time emotionally because that can mess things up really bad. She loves the Lord. She's intelligent and loves others. 
For a few months now, me, her, and another guy have been hanging out a lot, and it's been really hard for me not to think about a relationship with her, possibly. I'm hesitant to try since we've been friends for such a long time. Another thing is that she has helped me at times when I've been interested in other women. My questions are, what are your thoughts, experiences on two people being friends for a long time and then dating? What do you think is too long or short period of time? And do you think her being a wing woman, in a sense, has compromised any attempts for a relationship? Well, interesting, Liz. That was a lot. That was a lot. Um, Melissa and I were friends prior to marriage, prior to dating, and uh, she was a wing woman. I talked to her about girls, and that made it hard for me to date her. <laughs> she was calling me a fisherman uh, and things like that. Um, That's so churchy. What? Fisherman. A fisherman? I'm a fisher of souls, daughter. <laughs> Don't you understand? God has a plan for you even now. Um, I think that being friends before dating is very valuable. If you can keep it like plutonic. Because I think sex clouds judgment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially good sex. Um, in, you know, in, When you're having sex and you're not married and you're dating, you you start to overlook people's shortcomings and... And, you know, over exaggerate their good parts when you're just friends and there's no sexual relations, you know, then you can just, you know, see things for what they are. Um, there's n- I wouldn't say there's a too long or too short, but I uh, we got this from Ryan Seacrest, I think the, the four seasons. Yeah, he said you should never marry anybody without spending at least four seasons with them. So Melissa and I were together for like 12 seasons. <laughs> We were uh we dated and were friends for four years before we got married, and um and it was very valuable to to be somebody's friend and to date them before uh, being married. Now that isn't to say that if you get married shorter, you're gonna have less chance of success. But I think the longer you are friends, the more uh, success you have, chance of success you have. Um, wing women hurting your chance for a relationship, probably yes. If you told her how you really feel about women, then she more than likely is removing herself from the equation of women or she likes you and hoping she's going to have her turn. So it just depends on her. Melissa, did it hurt you when I talked to you about other girls? Did it hurt my chances with you? I think it did. Yeah, I would say so too. Um, but I'm going to answer all the questions. Okay, answer all so, the questions okay. then. What are your thoughts on two people being friends? I definitely agree with what you said. And that is that. Um, see, Kev? Sorry. Can't do right. Sorry. Um, that I think the foundation of any good relationship is friendship. When you genuinely enjoy spending time with someone, um, when you genuinely like someone, that's the foundation of a good relationship. And I think a lot of times in marriages, we lose friendship. Yeah. And um, we start to just become these partners as far as like, kids and um you know just building this household and you know this home and we lose the fact that we really should have friendship also you really should enjoy their company and just really like the person that you're married to and not because you have to because you said i do because you genuinely like that person and so um i definitely think friendship is a good foundation and is a necessary component of any relationship 
of any marriage. And then I don't think that there's a time frame that's too long or too short. Of course, you always take the chance of ruining a great friendship once you take it to the next level. Um, you know, it just depends on the dynamics of the relationship. And, you know, what we're saying is not 100% true and 100% of the time that that's going to work 100%. But, you know, I do, I do think it's necessary. Um, do you think her being a wing woman has... Yeah, definitely her being your... Um, the sound of your relationship troubles with other women might hurt your chances because she knows the true you. Um, but also, I think, that, again, that's the start of a good relationship because when you first start dating someone and you're just dating them, you have a mask that mm-hmm. you're wearing. And it's the best. It's the profile picture. Yeah. It is you, but it's the best possible version of you. Best possible version of you. Where if you're friends, you don't have those necessarily, those inhibitions that you need to hide this aspect of yourself or hide that aspect or don't let her see this fully. It's the tagged photo of you. Yeah, because (laughs) you're just deep with this photo. Um, Because you're just friends. You have nothing to prove. You have nothing, you know, nothing to lose. You're just going to be friends. And so... um, I think it's good, but it could hurt your chances because she knows that true, your true self. So, but I wouldn't say don't try it. Yeah, because I, one thing that I love about Melissa and I's relationship is that we are still friends, good friends. And we were friends before we were married and we are still friends now. You don't want a might as well marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people like, hey, she's pregnant, might as well get married. Hey, we've been together for five years, might as well get married. Hey, we're living together and we're, you know, saving money on rent. Might as well get married. Nobody wants a might as well Mm -hmm. because then it's, well, might as well get divorced. There's not as there's nothing that's, you know, keeping you besides certain circumstances because, you know, having a pregnancy or having kids doesn't mean you are that your marriage, you know, that you should just run and get married. You know what I mean? It's. You know, you have to parent each other, but a lot of people are like, well, we got married for the kids and blah, blah, blah. And then it ends up setting a bad, bad example for, for the kids because your marriage is just um, not that strong of a marriage. So uh, you definitely want to um, be friends as much as possible and continue the friendship. That's why I think dating is important mm-hmm. because it helps you remember who you are, especially if you have kids. When you have kids, it's so easy to become mom and dad, you know. And especially like Melissa, she she is a mother and she doesn't want the kids to be away from her. But I'm like, forget those kids. They need to go be babysat so we can go out because eventually the kids will leave. And you don't want to be like, man, who are with this? Who is this person? Yeah. You know what I mean? And career wise, too, like a lot of army families go into this. You become the army and you become the soldier wife and you got to move. And, you know, it's harder to maintain other friends. I feel like it's easier now with social media, but when we were growing up, when we moved and lost our friends, that was it. That was it. You know, for the adults too. Mm-hmm. You could talk to them, but there's nothing you can do with them. So um, it's much, it's much harder. Um, you know, and and when you're just, you know, the soldier's wife or the soldier's husband, then you fall into that role more than you are my wife, my husband. You know, you're just mom and dad. So uh, that's it. And we'll end with this. By the way, if you have questions, comments. Uh, concerns, recommendations, any of that, send it to Dear Kevin List at, um, or send the question with the subject Dear Kevin List to KevOnStage at Gmail, and we'll do our best to talk about as many as we can on the show. And today's final question is a hypothetical one, and it's very simple. Would you mind if your partner makes more money than you? 
And I feel like this is for men. It's almost assumed that it's assumed. Okay, that men make more than women. I'll be honest. There has been a couple of times in our marriage <laughs> where Melissa has made more money than me. Um, once when I was fired, it was very easy. She made ten dollars. Now she makes more than me. Um, when we worked at Boeing, she made more than me. Um, and at the bank before. And at the bank, at all. There was a lot of times. There's been a lot of times. Pretty time. much our whole marriage. Pretty much our whole marriage. She's made uh, more than me, but I have always hustled. Don't think I. I mean, now I'm crushing you though. Now I'm crushing you. Even if you were full-time, I'd be crushing you. We might be equal. Even if we're full-time, I'd be crushing you. And we're not going to count uh, comedy shows and merchandise. You know, I mean, hey, you, you had a good run. Okay. You had a good run. Um, but um, I'm a very competitive person. I don't think it really bothered me, though. Because Melissa was a better employee than I was. So but I feel like... this is the other thing. I don't think it matters as long as the man isn't emasculated. Agreed. As long as the woman doesn't make it a big deal, as long as you don't feel Absolutely. like less lesser of a man. Um, I never brought it up. Kev brought it up in comedy, but I assure you everything he said on stage was a lie. I like mean, an exaggeration of the truth. It's not an exaggeration of the truth if you totally made it up out of thin air. There was a sliver of truth. And no. then the rest of the joke was built on that. Dude, no. Yes. No, yes. you're not telling the truth. I am telling the truth. Kevin Fredericks. Melissa Fredericks. Okay, so the point is that as long as the man is not made to feel less than, then I don't think that it makes a difference. And to her credit, Melissa never did that. Had she done that, we would have had problems. Because I'm a very proud man. And what about the women, though? Men can do the, what is it called? Emasculated for women. Effeminated. But he can be condescending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To her. And that's probably a problem. Absolutely. But I think it's it's probably not as, as much of an expected problem because it's assumed that the man makes more. Yeah, but he could, not in the sense like that, but just if she's trying to buy stuff, like trying to make you feel a certain way because you ain't got no job and you ain't putting in or maybe you make less than and you the one doing all the spending. So it's more important how you guys approach it than, than who makes more or makes less. I think so too. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I didn't want... I didn't want you to make more money than me, but you you always did. You just you just did. <laughs> and we were in the same job. Even- yeah, but I think part of it was that you started off at Kinder Care, so I went to the bank first. So you always had more so experience had, yeah. than me. Then when we went to Boeing, I left first. Yeah. So that gave me a bigger jump. And you had a manager. When you came into the bank, you were a manager. Yeah. So when and you went to Boeing, Boeing, you had more yeah. And experience. then when we moved here... You were working from home, so. So it's pretty easy to defeat me. <laughs> <laughs> if I continue working in digital media, though, now I should be. Well, make me a housewife. Listen, I'm trying. Housewives of LA. I'm trying. I ain't gonna be on the housewives of LA. might be making more than me then. If you start getting the half a million <laughs> no, dollar I'm not per, that messy. per uh, episode, you can be the nice one. You can be the. Oh, but nice ones are always written off. They are. Well, why are you on? We can pay them student loans off. <laughs> Naviant, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, therefore, brethren. This has been a fun show. This is short. This is this is 38 minutes. Yeah, that's good. That's almost 40 minutes, if you're good at math, <laughs> which I'm not. Uh, again, this is in podcast. In the comments, please do not say, wake this a video, because this is a podcast available on iTunes for download while you listen to uh, while you're on the road, in your car, at work, at on home, the on, the yeah, on the treadmill, baking biscuits, 
cutting up dead bodies, whatever you need to do to <laughs> pass 30, 40 minutes of your time and listen to people talk. That's what this is for. Otherwise, I make seven videos at least a week. So relax. We may do some video podcasts, but that will not be the primary medium of this. We put this on YouTube because that's where the majority of people looking for Kevin Station lists reside. So I don't want to hear it is what I'm saying in the comments. I know, but we're not going to rule it out, but it's not part of the immediate plan. I like doing the podcast. I like doing audio, and I don't have to be having a shirt on because it's hot right now <laughs> in L.A. In January, it's 80 degrees outside. It was nice today. And I don't feel like making a video. So thank you for tuning in. Any final thoughts, dear precious wife? No, thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Till we meet again, again, jam. Love our love cast. Hashtag follow us on Twitter. Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. Kev on stage. You do have a Twitter. You just deleted it. Instagram. Kev on stage. Miss Kev on stage. And we'll see you next week.